It's never a dull day on the farm, especially when your day starts before the sun comes up. We're Alabama Ag Credit, and while some don't get it, we do. As the local experts in rural real estate financing, we've helped farmers finance everything from homes and land to tractors and crops. Because sometimes your natural resources need financial resources. Welcome to Alabama AgCast, a weekly conversation about news and issues affecting Alabama farmers and forest landowners. Alabama AgCast is produced by the Alabama Farmers Federation. Welcome back to Alabama AgCast. I'm Hunter McBrayer, Executive Director of the Alabama Fruit and Vegetable Growers Association and Commodity Division Director of the Greenhouse Nursery and Sod Division here at the Alabama Farmers Federation. Today we're excited to offer a little bit of something a little more timely than than maybe some of the other podcasts have been. We're talking about Christmas trees in the state of Alabama with Dr. Jeremy Pickens. Dr. Pickens is an assistant professor in the Department of Horticulture and also an extension specialist with Alabama Cooperative Extension System. Dr. Pickens, thanks for spending a little bit of time with us today. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited about this. This is my first podcast. I listen to a lot of podcasts. This is the first one I've been on. Well, I have a feeling that you're going to be a pro uh, with, with, our, right. with our folks. And So before we get into it a little bit, a lot of folks probably don't know you if they're outside of the greenhouse nursery world. Can you tell us a little bit about you and, and your job with Extension? Yeah, so I'm the uh, nursery and greenhouse specialist with Alabama Extension, as you, you said, and uh, uh, assistant professor. So I have a research and extension appointment, and they're 50-50. Um, and so I, uh, again, I work with the nursery and greenhouse industry. I work with Christmas tree growers, some hemp growers, or just about anybody who calls. I'm glad to uh, lend them a hand. And uh, I'm stationed down in uh, Mobile at the Ornamental Horticulture Research Center. And, uh, you know, I'm a statewide specialist, but most of the nurseries um, are down here in Mobile and Baldwin County, uh, container nurseries. And so the station uh, kind of caters to that uh, commodity group. And so it's just well situated uh, to help them out. Well, I, I know that all of our growers uh, that, that are on my state committee and, and that I work with across the state, that they appreciate the work that you do so much. You you do a good applied research, and, and that's something that uh, is not always out there in every commodity. So thanks for the work that you do. And that kind of leads us to this. So uh, Thanksgiving is behind us now as everybody's listening to this, and uh, most people are beginning to get ready for Christmas. That's the next thing on their mind here. And a lot of people have already put up their Christmas decorations trying to, trying to I think, get rid of, of 2020 maybe and get ready for 2021. But I know we, uh, my family, family went out over the last weekend, went over to Wadsworth Christmas Tree Farm there in Wetumpka, cut our own Christmas tree, did it, did the whole thing. That was really the first experience for us uh, to be able to do that, and it was it was something pretty special. So tell us a little bit about Christmas tree uh, production here in the state and how it's a little bit different than, than maybe what most people are used to. Sure. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of people having, you know, their, their mind that, uh, you know, the Christmas tree growers here in Alabama are in the southeast. Um, you know, they're the guys selling the trees to, to, to Walmart and the hardware stores and stuff. And, but most of those trees are coming from, uh, further North, you know, um, uh, North Carolina, Michigan, all over North. Um, what our, our growers, uh, grow, um, what's called a choose and cut Christmas tree. And so our operation, so they'll, that's where you go out, you know, and you pick a tree out, you cut it down yourself, or you, you, maybe you, uh, you know, they have some high school students out there for some extra money, you can give them a tip and they'll cut it down. 
and uh and sell it to you um and it's a great great experience uh that's been uh you know there used to be i don't know how many but over a hundred uh christmas tree farms in the state now we're probably i would guess between 20 and 30 i keep hearing about a new guy all the time you know every every so often i I learned about somebody i didn't know about but um and so the numbers had dropped because um you know the uh, introduction of these uh, uh, artificial trees, you know, and so those are the enemy, you know, that's what our, that's what our guys are fighting against. And, uh, 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 but the, you know, there's nothing like going out and cutting uh, a tree yourself, picking it out with the kids, getting those Kodak moments uh, going. And it's just a really, really good uh, 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 experience. And I would say that, you know, of, all the people I get to work with, they're the Christmas tree growers are some of my favorite. I mean, they're just a great group of people. You know, a lot of them have been doing it since the early eighties, you know, and they are a very tight knit group of guys, but they're tight knit, but they welcome new guys with open arms. You know, if you want to learn about the Christmas tree growers or how to grow Christmas trees and you're a new guy, they're not, you know, tight lipped. They're not trying to hide anything. They're, they're really open and they like to help and share. So it's just a, really good, really good group of people. So, uh, it, you're, you were kind of talking a little bit about those big box stores and the, the trees that people are familiar with, or even, you know, a lot of times like rotary clubs and lines clubs, those kind of things will set up on the side of the road, sell Christmas trees through the month of November. People go, they pick out some of the, like a, a blue spruce or a scotch pine or something like that. Those are the things that normal people that have been buying trees like that. Those, those are the trees they're familiar with. When they go out to a Christmas tree farm in Alabama, what kind of trees are they going to be looking at? Well, yeah, you know, we can't, uh, those are, those are great trees, you know, and, uh, but we, we don't really, we're not able to grow those because of our heat down here, maybe a little bit in North Alabama, but uh, we're mainly going to be growing. Uh, well, traditionally it's been Virginia pine up until maybe the last 10 or 15 years, I think is now Leyland Cypress is the main um, Christmas tree that we grow. And it's just because it's such a fast growing tree and it doesn't have a lot of problems, um, but there's still folks, growing uh virginia pines maybe uh a lot of farmers might have 20 to 30 percent of their you know crop in virginia pines or maybe some other species uh, you might see when you're out uh people just like the different shapes and maybe even the aroma some of them are more aromatic than others like uh just eastern red cedar like you see in the woods you know those make great christmas trees uh cryptomeria arborvitae uh, a really cool one i like is what's called the Arizona cypress and the cultivar you see the most of is Carolina sapphire and it's just like beautiful gray blue color uh, but those are the primary uh, Christmas trees our guys grow you know and not that the ones in you get them out of Walmart or or bad trees are great trees are beautiful trees and and really there's no um, uh, I'd say all the Christmas tree growers whether they're from the up north selling the the choosing, I mean, excuse me, the, the cut trees, pre-cut trees, and the guys doing the choosing cut, uh, they're all on the same team. They're all a part of the same national association. They all market together, you know, and I guess if they had a, a, a common enemy, it'd be the artificial, the artificial indus, industry. And that's kind of what they're, they are, uh, I guess, fighting against for that market, you know, share. Yeah, I think that that's that's the unique thing about agriculture across the board. You know, I get to work with greenhouse producers, fruit and vegetable growers, beekeepers. I, I kind of, you know, all the specialty crop side of it. And it doesn't really matter where you are in the country. They, a lot of times they end up knowing each other or they, they 
have a person in common that they know because it is agriculture is a family across the board no matter what no matter what commodity you're Absolutely. involved in producing and so that's that's pretty neat that uh, they don't necessarily see each other as as competition or whatever else there's always going to be a need i guess for those pre-cut trees there's going to be people that want to that have a very specific tree that maybe they've always bought and and uh, put up every year and then like me go out and cut one that's a yeah. little bit different than what you might see. It, uh, I, it took me back to some of my teenage days of working at local store, and and you know we called it bumping trees. You know those trees would come in off the yeah. truck, cut the cut the net off of it, and uh, and get ready try to try to sell Christmas trees for a month. And so that was yeah. a, a welcome welcome reprieve from selling hardware, I guess. So yeah, well you know, um, and some of, and a lot of growers, our growers that had the choose and cut farms, they'll even sell some of those furs. Um, and uh, a lot of times you can get a really good quality fur from them because some people just, you know, they they prefer that Fraser fur. They just like the way it looks and, and, and whatnot. So, absolutely. So, I'll change gears a little bit and uh, go into the production side of it. So, people, you know, a lot of folks, they, they go, they cut the tree. They, that's a special memory. They take it home. They do all the things that you're supposed to do uh, to to put it up and decorate it hopefully it'll last for a month uh, or a little bit longer depending on if you keep it watered well and all those things um, but then they, they kind of throw it away or it becomes habitat for a fish or something in a pond they, people do all sorts yeah. of things with christmas trees these days um, but there's a lot more to that christmas tree than going out there uh, the day after thanksgiving and cutting it you know it's it's a year's yes. worth of uh, many years worth of of work and so can you tell us a little bit on the production side uh, what kind of goes into running a christmas tree farm yeah sure i'd love to you know um i get uh when folks call and want to get into the business a lot of times it's someone who's uh maybe retiring real soon and looking for maybe some other income or something just to keep themselves busy and uh uh and a lot of people kind of have the impression that it's a plant it and forget it kind of a thing where you can plant it and then a couple of years later you go out and you can make some money on it. But there's a lot of inputs that go into making that perfect Christmas tree. Um, you know, so uh, outside of just, you know, planting, uh, there's a lot of spraying involved. You know, you in order to maximize your production with any agriculture crop, you need a weed-free environment, right? So, you know, maintaining those weed, uh, those herbicide strips on the trees, you know, uh, some growers spray four to eight times a year, uh, depending on uh, their scenario, on um, trying to maintain a weed-free zone on those trees. And then there's mowing the grass, you know, you have to mow. Uh, and then there's fungicide applications. And probably the biggest uh, or the greatest labor is in pruning. And, uh it's a lot of work pruning those trees, even with mechanical pruners. I tell you, if I was ever uh, in a fight, I sure would like to have a Christmas tree grower, even if he's in his 80s on my side, because those guys, <laughs> you don't mess with them, man. I got some shoulders on them from uh, handling that pruning equipment. It's, uh, it's pretty impressive. But there's a lot of inputs to go into it. And, you know, you're looking at, uh, I say, probably our fastest, uh, our grower that can push trees out the quickest is probably three years for, let's say, a seven-foot to eight foot tree uh and depending on where you are in the state it may take up to, to six years just depending on your location and how much input you want to you want to put into it so there there's a lot that goes into it's not just a plant it and forget it kind of thing it's a constant constant uh, management uh sort of crop sure i we were my wife and i were kind of out there at the farm and i said we were standing in the middle of all these trees and i said can you imagine walking out here in august and saying all right it's time to prune 
where do we start? It's just trees right. in every direction, almost, which I'm pretty short. Uh, and so it's as far as I can see, definitely <laughs> across the whole field trying to uh, decide where to start. And it's it's just an incredible, like you said, an incredible oh, yeah. amount of work. And But you have to do all those things to get a, a good, dense, uh, nice, dark green tree or, or the, the right shape of tree that everybody wants. So um, Absolutely. pretty good stuff. Yeah. So uh, to, to kind of begin to wrap us up a little bit, Tell me a little bit, um, is there a big difference between like a pre-cut tree and a choosing cut when you get it home? Is there, like for the consumer side of it, do you treat those trees differently or is there anything that people could do special to try to make their tree last a little bit longer? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say there's a a, a lot of difference between the, the two and how you handle it. I mean, I could tell you some tips on just handling trees in, in general. If it, um, for one thing, when you uh, you get a tree and you cut it, um, you know the clock starts ticking. You know, so those leaves are still transpiring, and it's wanting to push water more, you know, moisture out of those leaves, and it, and you don't have any roots anymore, so it can't really draw up that water like it could before. So, um, you know, that cut when you make that cut, it's important to try to keep that moist. You know, if it dries out, it's not going to be able to pull in water uh, like it would if it was a fresh cut. So. Uh, when you get, if you put that tree on top of your car, if it were me, I would bring some duct tape in a grocery bag and I would put that grocery bag over that stump and kind of tape it to it. That way the wind doesn't dry it out as bad. And then when I get home, if you're like me, when I get mine, I'm not prepared at all. I'm like, oh, let me go get the Christmas tree stand out and I'm spending 30 minutes in the attic. Uh, so if that's the case, uh, you probably, when you get home, put it in the shade. Don't have it out in the sun you know, uh, where it gets warm. Uh, and if you have like a five gallon bucket and you can put that stump in the five gallon bucket, that would help out, uh, a lot too. And then, um, me, I, I go ahead and make a fresh cut, you know, if, uh, uh, unless, uh, they've already pre-drilled it for you. Um, I make a fresh cut maybe an inch or two from the bottom, uh, just so, uh, I know that it's going to be able to pull in that water, uh, easily. Um, one other thing I've been, I've read about, I haven't done this and we'll try it this year is I'm going to wash my tree off before I bring it in the house. Uh, you know, a lot of people have allergy issues with trees and, um, the tree itself is not a, is not really what's causing that. It's, it's, it's mold. There's just mold everywhere, you know, uh, and, uh, when you're in a enclosed environment, then you get sensitive to it. And so like, uh, I've read where some people will take their trees and wash them off the hose and put them in the shade and kind of let them dry, dry a little, the foliage dry a little bit before they bring in the house. And so I'm going to, I'm going to give that a shot this year and see how it does. I have a feeling that people were not expecting to hear that they should give their Christmas tree a shower before they bring it into the house this time. So yeah. that, that's, yeah. a, that's a, that's a, that's a good tip. Well, I, I hear that a lot. So, um, uh-huh. Jeremy, what's uh, the best way for people to find their local Christmas tree grower, uh, across okay. the state? Yeah, that's a great question. Most of our growers, um, are members of the Southern Christmas Tree Growers Association. And so that is an association made up of Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, and they have a, a grower locator link on the uh, on their app. And so you can uh, you can go on there, click on your state, and you see what growers are in your county. And there's some growers that aren't members of that. And so uh, most, I mean, almost every Christmas tree grower uh, has got a Facebook page. That's their marketing you know, that's what they, they love Facebook. And so you can uh, probably find one very easily uh, through Facebook. So either uh, the Southern Christmas Tree Growers Association uh, and or uh, Facebook is a great way to locate a grower near you. 
Thanks, Dr. Pickens, for taking a little bit of time to talk with us today about Christmas tree growers in the state, and thanks for all the work that you do for our producers across the entire state. Well, thank you, Hunter, for all you do. I appreciate you having me today. All right. That's it for Alabama AgCast this week. Be sure to tune in next week and check out our show notes where we'll list the link to the Southern Christmas Tree Growers Association and a list that we have of Alabama Farmers Federation members that are Christmas tree producers in your neck of the woods. And now, your weekly Ag Cash wrap up. Hello, this is Mitt Walker, National Affairs Director for the Alabama Farmers Federation, with a bit of welcome news today. On November 5th, the Department of Labor issued a final rule regarding the methodology for determining the adverse effect wage rate. The AWAR, as it's commonly known, is the wage rate set by the Department of Labor that certified ag employers must pay to their foreign labor force in effect to encourage domestic worker employment. The AWAR has traditionally been based on the USDA NAS Farm Labor Survey to estimate labor needs and determine wages for foreign workers. However, beginning in 2023 and annually thereafter, The department will adjust the rate by the percentage change in the Bureau of Labor Statistics Employment Cost Index for wages and salaries for the preceding 12-month period. What does all this mean? In a nutshell, the adverse wage rate has traditionally been higher than the state minimum wage and has increased significantly over the past few years. With this final rule, the rate will remain at the 2020 level, which is 1171 in Alabama through 2023. This freeze in the rate means that producers will be able to have a higher level of certainty when determining employment needs and resulting salary expenses. Many of Alabama's farms depend on a reliable and affordable labor force. While agricultural producers work to employ as many local workers as possible, we continue to see an aversion to farm labor by our existing domestic workforce. Due to this, farmers in Alabama and across the country depend on the H-2A labor program. Although the adverse wage rates have increased by 38% compared to the rest of the economy at 26%, not including the added cost of housing and travel, the program proves to be the only viable option to ensure that crops can be harvested from the field season after season. You can read more about the Department of Labor's statement in our show notes. Thank you for being with us, and that's all for today. Alabama AgCast is sponsored by our friends at Alabama AgCredit. Give them a call for all your farm and land financing needs. For more information about today's conversation, check out the show notes or visit alphafarmers.org slash agcast. Be sure to follow Alabama Farmers Federation on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Tune in next week for another timely conversation from Alabama AgCast.